All right, this is the Bulls on the Birds, episode number one, coming to you from Chester County right before draft night. DB, we're going to get right into it, beginning with yes or no. Sounds good. Jalen Hurts deserves another year at QB1, yes or no? Yes, and I got to be honest with you, I don't know if he's the man for the future, but in his first full year, Jalen Hurts was a playoff quarterback. A playoff QB. Bingo. And you know what? They had a last play schedule. Notwithstanding that, who else are you going to put at quarterback if yeah, it's not him? That's a great point. Minshew, I don't think so. Yeah. And that would just be a stopgap as well. Yeah. So let's see if he's really the guy. If he is, he'll prove it by the end of the year. One of the things the Eagles have been lacking is leadership in the locker room. That was one of the perennial complaints that came out during Wentz's tenor. Right. Is that he wasn't necessarily gaining rapport with the guys. And of all the reports that have come out of the locker room, it's all positive for Jalen Hurts. He's a great leader. The guys love him. Wide receivers want to do their best for him. Linemen want to block for him. And you don't want to invest too much in the intangibles. But at the QB position, I feel like the intangibles like leadership do really matter. And so that alone, because Jalen Hurts has those intangibles in spades, I think indicates at least he deserves one more year. Excellent point. I agree with you 100%. All right. So yes or no, you like the Eagles' focus on becoming a pass-oriented team rather than a running-oriented team. This is from Nick Sirianni's interview two weeks ago. Yeah, I totally disagree with it. I I do not like them being a pass-oriented team. Listen to what the fans said last year, screaming. The Eagles start off terrible. Six weeks straight, the fans are saying, run the ball. Run run the the ball, ball. run the ball. Finally, he runs the ball, and our season turns around. Not just that, but on top of that, you want to be a pass team? Yeah. Pass first team? You need a pure passer. I like Hurts, but he's not a pure passer. That's a fantastic point. In college and in NFL, he has been a dual-threat QB. Exactly. Um, I don't think Sirianni has considered that. But the run game is there, and it needs to elevate Hertz's passing game, not the other way around. Let the run game open up the passing game for Jalen Hurts. I think you're exactly right. I don't think Hertz has the pure passing ability or talent to carry that offense. So unless the running game gets going, you're looking at another year of kind of dismal passing. Exactly. And you know what? You get the run going first, and it will open up the passing game, give him a little more confidence, maybe sees the field a little better. And last point, hopefully Sirianni learns from last year. Listen to the fans. Listen to the fans, man. And you know what? Uh, Before Sirianni became a head coach, he had been a wide receiver coach. And there's that old saying that, you know, if you're a doctor, it seems like every problem has a medical solution to it. So do you think there's some aspect where Sirianni – with his wide receivers coach background, sees every problem having a passing solution to it? You know, I think that's a good point. I think it's about him staying in his comfort zone, being a wide receiver coach and liking the passing game. But I that that's not where this team's strengths are. The O-line is a running line. There's a difference between being a great running line and a great uh, quarterback defender. I, this is a running O-line, and let's use that and let that open up the, the passing game. Moving on, yes or no, Jalen Rager has a shot at a breakout season this year. Anyone on the Eagles roster has a shot at a breakout season this year. Question is, is Jalen Rager going to be on the Eagles roster this oh, year man. to have a breakout <laughs> season? So you think there's a shot he doesn't even make the team? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, forget about a breakout season. I'm waiting for him to have his first breakout game. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't see anything from him in the last couple of years. You know what? If we see a lot of him in the preseason, that tells me one thing. He's fighting for a job on this roster. He may not He may not make this roster hmm. because that, who's he going to knock off? Yeah, certainly not Devontae Smith. No. Not the speedster Quez Watkins. And Sirianni loves his acquisition that he got this uh, in free agency. Yeah, Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal. And, and I don't see him knocking Pascal off. That's Rager's spot. He's, mm. Rager's supposed to be a slot. That's, Sirianni clearly brought Pascal in to be the slot guy. So if Rager's not going to make an impact with the Eagles at the wide receiver position, 
is there another route that he can really focus on or other than running routes? Yeah. And it would be his niche. He's got to be a special teams guy. He's, he's got to return kicks when they signed him. I didn't like it when they took him in the first round. I didn't believe he was the wide receiver or slot guy who's going to make a big difference. What I texted my friends was, well, there's our, we there's found our, our kick return. Yep, exactly. Pun exactly return right. and kick return. So if he just focuses on that, that takes one thing off the plate that, that we're just not good at every year. So maybe not necessarily looking for a breakout season. We're looking at him looking for him to make the team and maybe make a significant impact on special teams. Yeah, and I think that's his roster slot. No kidding. All right, yes or no, Nick Foles will be a relevant QB in the NFL again. Nick Foles (laughs) is in his third year at the Chicago Bears. It's his final year on his contract, and there's some trade talk. I love Nick Foles, and I am so thankful for everything he's done in Philadelphia. But if Nick Foles is a relevant quarterback in the NFL, the only place it could be is in Philadelphia. Philly, Philly, baby. St. Nick. Yeah. St. Nick. St. Nick, come home. We will welcome you with open arms. (laughs) And I think they would. Jalen Hurts would be gone. Oh, absolutely. Forget about it. Jalen Hurts turns into the next Carson Wentz. They bring Nick Foles back. He's going to be the... what, what's the spirit of Christmas past? The spirit of Nick Foles' past. Coming back. Kills not only Carson Wentz, now takes Jalen Hurts out of the out of the fold. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, all right. <clears throat> and he's a number two. He's not a starter. Yeah, okay. uh, absolutely. And he, the Bears would be smart. They sent Trubisky on his way. Yeah. I, I'm guessing Justin Fields is their guy. You know what? There's not a better number two than Nick Foles out there. That's a really good point. Name one number two who's taken your team or or completed the Super Bowl victory. For your team. You're not kidding. And, you know, with Justin Fields, I think you're right. I think he is Chicago's guy. Yeah. in college, he tore his ACL. Yeah, he's a runner. You're going to get hurt. And and he's a runner. And those ACL surgeries, they say, for every one you have, it's more likely that you have to have another. Yeah. So It's rough. Having Foles at number two isn't necessarily a bad thing. All right. Uh, yes or no? Doug Peterson will find success in Jacksonville. I think he will, and I hope he will, because I I think he's truly one of the good guys in the NFL. Um, he won a Super Bowl here in his second year. That's, that is incredible. It is. That's an incredible I, accomplishment. I don't think anyone was really looking for us to win a Super Bowl. No, this year. no. Now, granted, a lot of things fell in place for him. But nonetheless, he's the guy who won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Nick Foles comes up to him, you want to do Philly Philly? He could have said no. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. You know what? He had confidence in his players. His players liked them. And I think where it went off the tracks with Doug Peterson is the next year. It was year, that interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Not not a great year the next year. Um, so, so at this point, he's still a coach having – Somewhat recently won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Having won the Super Bowl the year before. Super Bowl winning coach. There aren't a lot of those around. No. And tells the media, yeah, I'm bringing back my assistant coaches. The next day, Howie Roseman is in front of the media saying, no, we're firing all those guys. I cannot imagine Roseman did not think that was a burning the bridge kind of moment. Yeah, I don't know how he couldn't think that. And you know what? I think at that point, Doug kind of said, hey, my my time is up here. We'll do out the last two years of my contract. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm, I, I obviously don't have the cachet that I need to make this, the decision that I want to make. And it went it went south from there. So... You know, and that brings up another interesting point. There's been some rumors that uh, Jeffrey Lurie is very much of a meddling owner. And if you think of all the coaching hires, head coaching hires that have come in under Lurie's tenor, you had Andy Reid, who had mm-hmm. not had a head coaching position in the in the NFL before he was brought on board. Right, and was was a bit of a surprise pick. Was a bit of a surprise pick. Then you had Chip Kelly. Yeah, which who, a lot of people wanted. A lot of people wanted. But, Never had an NFL head coaching right? job. It was coming up from the college ranks. Mm-hmm. Then after him, you had... Then Doug, right? Wasn't then Doug, Doug, yep. And Doug, uh, I think he was maybe a, an O coordinator for a couple years in the NFL, but we brought him up from his head coaching position in high school. Yeah, I think it was coaching his kids' team in <laughs> high school. And obviously a backup quarterback with the Eagles. 
Um, so having the NFL pedigree, but again, not an, an a previous NFL coach. So somewhat yeah, our last of a what, five coaches. Yeah, and then this one, Nick Sirianni, never had a head coaching position right. in the NFL. He's a wide receivers coach. Um, so that would certainly lean towards or be in favor of those who think, you know, Roseman and Lurie like to meddle a little bit with with the coach because who better to have at the head than someone who's young, who's you know maybe green, who still is yet to prove himself. He's not necessarily going to stick up for himself. Yeah, Bill Belichick's not going to take that job. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's got to be a new guy that they feel they can control and and they can make the big decisions and. Doug winning the Super Bowl in year two. I think he felt, you know what, I, I should have some some say in this. No kidding. And it turns out he didn't. And, and you I know, think that's what happened. Who who was the coach that butted heads with Howie and Lurie as much oh, as any other coach did? Good point. Chip Kelly, you know what, he wanted all the reins. They gave it to him for the year, and and then Howie got his power spot back. Chip that, Kelly was that gone. That lasted a year, yeah, exactly. That did not last long. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, going back to the yesterday, no, will Doug Peterson find success in Jacksonville? He's actually got the number one overall draft pick. Yeah. Who do you think he's looking at? You know what? That's tough. I, I would have said it's a, weeks ago. I would have said slam dunk. It's Aiden Hutchinson. You know, the guy's huge monster edge rusher from Michigan. How can you go wrong with that? But the year before he takes Trevor Lawrence, that's your QB and you want to make sure he's protected. That's the so, history of your franchise, right? Yeah. There, potentially. I, I would still say Aiden Hutchinson, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take a, a top offensive tackle to, to protect, protect the franchise. franchise. Yeah, and exactly. Trevor Lawrence got hit a lot last oh, year. Oh, yeah. I think he had the most sacks in the league. Yeah, and he's a mobile QB. I mean, that's not necessarily yeah. – he is not Tom Brady run away from No, exactly. He's got some speed. He's got some legs. And, uh, yeah, that, that that's tough. So I would not be surprised if they went offensive tackle. Makes sense to me. Someone to make an immediate impact on the O-line. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes or no? NFC East will continue to be the joke of the NFL league. I don't think they'll be the joke of the NFL league. Okay. I, that being said, I don't think they're going to make leaps and bounds over being <laughs> the joke of the NFL league. Because, uh, you know what? We've got the Giants. Now, Giants could be the most improved team. They've got Picks number five, seven, thirty-six, sixty-seven, eighty-one. So they've got five picks in the first eighty, basically. Oh my god! Yeah. So they can they can do a lot of improving, and they need a lot of improving. So they pick well. They could really help their team out. Eagles have ten picks: fifteen, eighteen, fifty-one, eighty-three, one hundred one. So basically, five in the top hundred. Yeah. Hopefully, they use those picks well to improve their team (laughs) where they need to improve. (laughs) <laughs> Dallas, I think they've got eight or nine picks. Now, not as high as the Giants and the Eagles, like 24, 56, 88, and then they're in the hundreds and way down the line. Okay. So I think they're going to be looking to fill. Uh, they let Cooper go, Amari Cooper. Yeah. I think they're probably going to be looking for a, for a wide receiver. That might be pick number 24. And they got a good one last year in. Oh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Yeah. Who the Eagles could have uh, <laughs> could have picked him up? Could have picked Justin uh, Jefferson. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then fifty six and eight. They're pro- I, I think you know what they they like their hogs, and that's great. They're I, gonna I, pick up a O line or D line. I do. I think so. Yeah. Um, Washington is that could if I'm with Washington, I'm a little scared. They've got six picks. They've got the eleventh overall, which is good, but then it's forty seven. And then it's like 113, 189, 230, and 240. That's a big fall off. Big fall off. So they've really got a hit on 11 and 47. That's a really good point. And I, if you don't hit on 11 or 47, you're really banking on Wentz taking your team to the next level. Yeah, and who does he have to throw to? He didn't have anyone in Philly, and it doesn't look like he's going to have anyone in Washington. No, no. Unless so I with think- that 11 spot, they pick. I think they got to be looking wide receivers. So you could be looking at no Washington – Whatever their team name is now. Washington, whatever's. <laughs> the Lizards. Commanders. Yeah, Lizards. Uh, Dallas, Eagles, and maybe even the Giants looking for a wide receiver. I don't think the Giants are going to be looking for a wide receiver. I think they're looking to uh, shore up their O-line and D-line probably. Uh, and maybe a quarterback position. 
But you've got Eagles, Dallas, and Washington all looking at wide receivers and a number of other teams in the league doing the same thing. So wide receivers, surprisingly, might be at a premium this year. No kidding. And that certainly seems to be the case with the wide receivers on the free agent market. Got Debo Samuel looking for a $25 million contract, and I imagine DK Metcalf could fetch a similar number, if not higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we're not going to be the joke of the league, but uh, there might not be too much improvement either. Right. Yes or no, Carson Wentz in Washington spells disaster for the Eagles. You know what? He very well may. Now, we just had the conversation about wide receivers. I have no idea who Carson Wentz has to throw to. Let's say they pick up a wide receiver. Like a Chris Olave. Or... Right, right. That could really help their offense. Their O-line has typically been a good O-line. Yeah, pretty decent. Yeah. So I think one thing that's hurt Wentz over the past couple of years is not having that protection. He had a good O-line with the Eagles, but most right. of the Lots O-line, of yeah. yeah. So you had your Exactly. You've got a lot of gaps, and, and he's getting Rookies killed. filling in those gaps, and, and rookies just kind of getting annihilated. That's rough. That's rough, exactly. And you know what? He paid the price. He blew out his knee. He broke his back. I mean, he gave he gave it. He gave it the effort here. Just I don't think we had the right mix of talent for him. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so if, if he finds that right mix in Washington, it could spell trouble for the Eagles. That could spell trouble for the Eagles. Plus, you throw in the grudge. Um, you know, I, I if there's I, anyone who wants payback, revenge, who oh. wants to come into Philadelphia and just absolutely go to town on the Eagles, absolutely, it's it's Carson Wentz. Wentz. And oh man, would the media eat that up? <laughs> and they would play the story up. Big uh, it's going to be fun. This would be Apollo Creed versus Rocky. Yeah, Rock, oh. Rocky versus the Russian. I mean, exactly. This is, yeah, this would be good stuff. It'll be great. The one thing that. Carson Wentz needs to focus on is he always tries to do too much. Yeah, that's he's, a really he's, good point. He's got to let the other 10 guys on that field help him out, do something for him. Don't overdo it. Don't don't try to push it. And you know you know what, what somewhat proves that point is if anyone saw his first interview as a Washington commander <laughs> and saw what he was wearing, he had, I think it was a maroon suit and a yellow shirt reflecting Washington's colors, and it was the ugliest getup I've seen in a while. And it was the picture-perfect showing of trying to do too much. Yeah, Bear, I'm going to buy him a lifetime subscription to GQ. He needs it. <laughs> that just, that was not right. I, I appreciate, and, and you know what? what? The Washington whatever fans should appreciate it well that he's trying to endear himself to the city. But yeah, that, that, that was messed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last yes or no for this section. Kelly Green uniforms are back. Are they the most iconic of all time? They are. They are. I grew up, maybe not for your generation, but for my generation, definitely. I grew up watching the Kelly Green. It brings me back to the days of Harold Carmichael, uh, Ron Jawar Jaworski, Jaws, Wilbert Montgomery. I do like the Midnight Green and all that stuff. But it, it it brings me back to a great place of watching the Eagles with my parents at home. And it, my generation will love that. I don't know that that would be that big a thing with your generation. So I would say, you know what? Let's hold that out for a Monday night, a Sunday night, a Thursday night, a special oh, night game. Cool. A special yeah. night game and yeah. bring them out. I like that idea. All right. Well, that does it for the yes or no section. Let's go right into our main show topics. All right. Our first topic is the draft versus free agency. Now, obviously, the draft is tomorrow night. And there have really been kind of two theories on how you approach acquiring superstars in the offseason. You can either acquire your future superstars through draft picks, or you can sell your draft picks down the river to acquire established superstars. So some of the names that were being thrown around was, you know, would the Eagles give up potentially two first round picks to pick up a Debo Samuel or a DK Metcalf. Now, we were saying earlier that given the Eagles lack of record of being able to pick well in the draft, we would rather them sell some of those high draft picks down the river to acquire established superstars people like Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf. Right. However, that definitely does not seem to be the direction that they are going. This was an excellent article put out by ESPN, Tim McManus, 
And and he follows Eagles. He does. He does. Uh, Howie Roseman in this interview was kind of being asked why the, the free agency signing had been so lackluster. You know, the biggest name that they had signed up to that point was Hassan Reddick. Right. And he responded to that by saying, when you have the amount of high picks we have, we don't want to block these players from playing. We don't want to get in a situation where we are drafting guys in the first, second, sometimes even the third round, and they don't have an ability to play because you're wasting a contract year. That gives us the opportunity to draft guys and to play early in a contract, which we think is an important part of the team building process we're in. I think it goes back to, we'd hate to draft three guys and go redshirt, redshirt, redshirt. You're blocked here, here, and here. And Sirianni pretty much just matched that sentiment when asked a similar question. Sirianni said, we've built through free agency a little bit, but we have a lot of draft picks about to come up. So it seems like the Eagles are looking to draft their future superstars, not acquire them through free agency. What do you think about that? I I would agree with that. And with what Howie said there and then Sirianni backing it up, that sounds like a GM who's trying to save cap money, who spent too much money on salary. And he said, look, I've got to get guys on the cheap. The best way to get guys on the cheap is get Great draft picks on rookie contracts, and and that's how I can ease my salary burden and utilize them right away. Exactly. So I think they've they've made the acquisitions that they're gonna make. Um, nothing big. I like the Reddick signing. I think they need an edge rusher. Yeah. I also think that puts Howie in the mentality that we don't have to draft an edge rusher. Everyone else is going to be out there drafting edge rushers. That's a good point. Um, and and I like the Reddick signing. I don't have a problem giving up two first rounders for a proven commodity because who knows if that first either of those first rounders are going to turn into a proven commodity. The problem with that is the dollar amount that comes along with that, the cap hit and the salary. Debo Samuel looking for a twenty five million con you know, twenty five million dollar contract. Yeah, we can't out. do that. No, nah, we can't. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think they, they've made the acquisitions they're going to make, and they're going to look to improve through their draft. I think you're exactly And that's right. why I think Howie might not, might not move any more draft picks. No kidding, even though he is prone to moving around yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think of Howie's desire for first-round draft picks to, to play right away? If you take a look at the NFL, some of the success stories recently at the QB position have come from quarterbacks who've been drafted in the first round, but then had a couple of years to learn the system behind a really good quarterback. You think of Patrick Mahomes learning behind Alex Smith. Right. You think of Aaron Rodgers learning behind Brett Favre. Yeah. And I imagine Jordan Love being behind Aaron Rodgers for the last three or four years. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. Um, Do you think there's something to say about that, or is it positionally specific? It works at the QB position, but cornerbacks or edge rushers can come in and make a difference right away. That that's an excellent uh, term, positionally specific, because I do think, especially at the quarterback position, and this would be positionally specific, um, that it makes sense for a a guy coming out of college. You know what? Hold the clipboard, learn the offensive scheme. Yeah. Look at the the pro the veteran do it. Learn from his mistakes. Don't. You know, it used to be years ago when Peyton Manning came in. Yeah. You know, right in, right in. He's starting, and I think he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Did he really? His Peyton Manning year. did. Yeah. No but kidding. you know what? This NFL doesn't have that kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Patience. Okay. To to let a quarterback like that survive, notwithstanding Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, because they clearly have said, hey, we, we picked this guy number one overall. This We're is gonna our put guy. Him We're in. This is our in. guy. You know what? We know he's going to take some lumps. And I think if you allow some, uh, if you allow a QB to do that, he grows. Yeah. But he can also grow holding a clipboard for two or three years and seeing a guy who's been in that position, um, you know, run the offense and and learn that way. And and he won't make as many of those new mistakes that, that the guy going right in year one would. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I wonder how much social media has to do with this phenomenon of, of trying to get a first-round draft pick on the field. Oh, quickly. yeah. You know, I mean, there's just such a following as to what team is going to pick 
what athlete from college. And as soon as you pick someone in the first round, the fans want to see him play. Yeah. Even if maybe it's better for your team and him as an athlete to take a year off or two. Yeah. And we're saying, you know, the Eagles have a lot of holes. I think they're cornerback, linebacker, safety, uh, interior D line. And I'm thinking, you know what? We got to take a couple of those guys in the draft and plug them right in. Yeah. First year. I think you can do that in those positions a heck of a lot easier than you can at a quarter quarterback. Yeah. All right. Moving on to some draft talk. Probably the, the talk around town has been, will the Eagles draft a wide receiver in the first round? We know that last year we took Devontae Smith, and that worked out extremely well. The year before that, we took Jalen Rager, and that has not worked out very no. well. So one thing I found interesting this past week, um, Garrett Wilson, who is a projected first-round draft pick, wide receiver out of Ohio State, often compared to Debo Samuel, actually said that he wanted to come to Philadelphia. Through the interview process, he got to know Nick Sirianni and absolutely loved him. That makes sense. Sirianni is a wide receivers coach. Yeah. How much consideration do you give to a player's desire to be on your team when drafting a player? Do you put any stock in that? You know, the, it, it is a consideration. I don't put a ton of stock in it. It's nice, but not a lot. You don't want a guy who definitely does not want to be here. <laughs> True. That's obvious. A guy who wants to be here, that's a really nice thing. But when it comes down to it, it's can the guy play ball? Can he Can he do what you need him to do? Um, heck, I'd love to play for the Eagles. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not going to, they'd be idiots to sign me. <laughs> so no. it's a nice thing, but in and, and, and a, and a positive, but I don't think it's up there on the decision making, uh, one of the decision making factors. I think you're exactly right. Um, so Devontae Smith, I think, is our clear wide receiver number one and should be a perennial pro bowler. Yes, I agree. Now, this is what I find interesting. Two Alabama wide receivers, where Devontae Smith is from, are in consideration to be early round draft picks. Jamison Williams and John Mechie Third. How much consideration do you give to how the incoming receivers will gel with your clear wide receiver number one? You know what? Uh, I like the idea of having an Alabama triumvirate. Alabama is a winning system. It is. And that's exactly what it is. It's a system. They produce winners. I don't care if you're O-line, D-line, cornerback, safety, safety, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. That's a winning system. Yeah. So if you got three Alabama guys at, at skill positions, I think that's a winning winning approach. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you would have Devontae Smith and then Jalen Hurts is an Alabama guy. Yeah. So Devontae Smith, Alabama, Jalen Hurts, Alabama, and then you bring in someone like Jamison Williams and you got the Alabama triumvirate. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you what, I – one thing I want to see in our wide receivers, I want to see some. Uh, I want to see a tall wide receiver. Yeah. I don't think another shorter, less than six foot guy helps us out. We need someone who can go up there. Um, and Jamison Williams, I know he's had some injury um, issues, and he's a little on the lighter side as far as weight is concerned. Lighter side, but he's six two. He's six foot two. That's yeah. some serious size. You can bulk him up. Yeah. You can bulk him up. Um, Personally, I'd prefer like a Christian Watson. Uh, yeah, someone like Christian Six, four, Watson. 6'4", 235. He's guy's four, a beast. 235, and I think he runs a 4.3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you how do you pass that up? So, And you know what? North Dakota State's been pretty good to us. I mean, say what you want about Carson Wentz. He, he brought us to the Super Bowl yeah, on, on the doorstep. Yep. And no, Nick took it the rest of the way, St. Nick. Um, Goddard. North oh, Carolina, Dallas Goddard. Guy, That's North right. Dakota guy. Yeah, he yeah. is an FCS guy. So, uh, who knows? Maybe Howie found a new uh, recruiting waterhole. Nice. Right on. Speaking of Christian Watson, of potentially going for Christian Watson in the second round or a tight end out of UCLA, Greg Dolchich. So, mm. it kind of made me think, how desperate are the Eagles to replace Zach Ertz? Was Goddard and Ertz more of a luxury last year than a necessity, or do we need two dynamic tight ends for Hertz to run this offense well? You know, I, I think it was a luxury. I don't think we need two dynamic tight ends to run this offense. It was great. 
having Ertz and Goddard here at the same time. That being said, I think they saw in Goddard enough to say, hey, we can let go of Zach Ertz. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so I don't think we need two dynamic tight ends. And you know what? This is one thing Howie's been really good at. He's found some tight aged tight ends out there that have been more than serviceable. Yeah. So good you veterans, throw one of them. Yeah. Sign them up for one year. Yep. Throw and them you- in there with Goddard and you're, you're good to go. We've got enough, uh, enough other holes to fill that we don't have to worry about adding another premier tight end. Yeah. So I'd like, <laughs> I like Dolchich, but, um, Heck, I'd, I'd take Kristen Watson all day long. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that just emphasizes we don't need a dynamic tight end per se, but what, what we do need is some size at the wide receiver position. Absolutely. Another sizable target for Hertz to yeah. throw to. A tight end-sized wide receiver <laughs> with go. speed. Yeah, with speed, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on from wide receivers to cornerbacks. So I got some interesting stats or moves for you with the cornerback position in the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen to their moves since 2021. They drafted Zach McPherson in the fourth round of the 2021 draft. Who? They traded his sixth-round pick for Josiah Scott. Who? Claimed Andre Chachere off of waivers from the Colts. Who? Signed Mac McCain off of the Broncos practice squad. Who? Traded Ertz to the Cardinals for Tay Gowan. All right, I heard of him. Traded a sixth-round pick to the Broncos for Kerry Vincent Jr., I think I heard of him. <laughs> These are all cornerbacks. So you're talking in the last year, the Eagles have made six cornerback acquisitions. So the question that I have is, with all these acquisitions at the cornerback position, do the Eagles think they can find the next Darius Slay in this above group of youngsters? Yeah, I I hope they don't think they can find. I, I don't think those any of those guys are the answer. I think evaluating college cornerbacks is difficult with the exception of the obvious standouts. In this draft, I see Sauce Gardner, yeah. Derek Stingley, and Andrew Booth. Yeah. You know what? Booth might be there at 15 or 18. He could be. I don't think Gardner or Stingley. No, I, 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 I think those guys are going a lot earlier. And Gardner, I, I'd be willing to package something to move up to possibly get him. But I don't know. You, he could be a top five, top he six. He very well could be. Yeah, and and that's going to be too much for them to get up there. Um, so I hope someone like an Andrew Booth would be there at a 15 or 18 because I would make that move. And the guy's got some size. I'd like a cornerback with a little size. My dream would be to have Sauce Gardner, but that's just not going to happen. Um, and, and the other names, you I don't even know who those guys are, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the Eagles, and this is might this might be why they've made those moves. They haven't done a terrible job at developing quarterback, cornerbacks. Quarterbacks, no. yeah. And I think the one thing that happens if you bring in a bunch of young, unproven cornerbacks, all of a sudden you've just created a competition. Yeah, yeah. And you somehow think that you know through this fierce competition among these six youngsters, one of them may emerge as top dog, exactly, and become a star. Yeah. And you know what a cornerback is? Wide receiver who can't catch. catch. That's exactly right. So that brings up my, my next question. Do you think, is cornerback a position where superstars can arise from low draft picks? Or do draft picks usually live up to their billing at this position? You know, at, at this position, I think they live up to their billing. And again, I think it's just the cream. You go past the, those, in this draft, those third, top three. Quarter, yeah, even that, the top cornerbacks, three. It, There's a sharp drop off. Yeah, it's 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 a shot in the dark, and and I don't know. Maybe the Eagles. That's what they're thinking with all these cornerback pickups. They're just throwing something at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Um. And who knows? That could work. But yeah, in, in the draft, it's tough for cornerbacks it, un, unless they really stand above and beyond the competition in the college world. Because the NFL is such a passing world, it's it's a truly a step up from college, and yeah. so I, that's why I think you know the top tier. Yeah, after that, who knows? Yeah. The other thing I was thinking of was does Gannon's defense, uh, Gannon the Eagles' defensive coordinator, just not put as much demand on cornerbacks as Schwartz' defensive scheme did? 
I don't know. I, I, I think I might put more demand on them oh. because Derek Carr completed 90% of his passes against the Eagles. So is that because there's no pass rush or is it because the cornerback safety play isn't there? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I It's probably a piece of both. Yeah. But I don't think we really I, – I think that did expose holes. And Derek – Carr wasn't the only quarterback to complete a high percentage of passes against the Eagles. Against the Eagles. A lot of guys did it. So to me, there's something with not just the defensive scheme, but the skill you have at that position. Um, big play slay, you know, slow start, but I think he came on and I think he's going to yeah. be what we expected him to be. I think so. But we need an, we need someone else on the other end to, to complement that so that they can't just play around slay. I agree. So with this draft coming up, what would you rather see the Eagles do? Would you rather see them trade up for a guy like Sauce or Stingley or take Andrew Booth at number 18 or 15 if he's still available? I'm thinking Andrew Booth at 15 or 18 only because I don't think Sauce or Stingley are going to be available. And if they are, I think the cost to get them is too high. To get high. up to a four, a three, a two. Right, right. Would I would I trade one of the 15s or 18s and something else to get up to pick sauce? Yeah, you bet. Stingley, uh, you know, I I I'd trade less for him just because of the injury injury history. Um, McDuffie, I think, is too small. I don't want another small cornerback. I want a guy with some size. So you know what, Booth fits that. Yeah, I think the movement in the NFL in general for cornerbacks and then subsequently wide receivers is size. Yeah. And I 100% agree. I don't want to see a small receiver get drafted by the Eagles, and I don't want to see a small cornerback get drafted right. by the receivers. I, we need to add a, a tall wide receiver and a tall cornerback because that's where the league's going, and we got to be able to match that. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, so moving on from cornerbacks to edge rushers. So this is interesting. Brandon Graham is officially back. Derek Barnett is officially back. Hassan Reddick is signed. Are the Eagles still looking for an edge rusher in round one after they've made sure they've acquired these three edge rushers in free agency? You know, I don't think they're looking for one, but maybe they should be. Barnett's been a bit of, bit of a disappointment as a first-round pick. Now, that being said... You know, maybe he hasn't lived up to the expectation of a first rounder. He's been a serviceable DN. Yeah, he has. Okay. Um, Graham, love him, but he's getting old. Yeah. And he definitely lived up to his first first round pick billing. Um, Reddick, I'd like to pick up. And I I, I don't think we overpaid for him. We It, it was a good chunk, but um, I think we needed that. So that being said, I don't think uh, how he – thinks he has a need there i think he feels he's filled that need and he's going to look to other places to fill the gaps i think you're exactly right all right moving on from edge rushers to running backs rumor has it that the eagles may be looking for a running back in round three sirianni has previously stated he prefers the running back by committee approach do you agree with this running back by committee approach as opposed to in the past it's been you know you're four down back and that's the pride of his position, and no one's taking it from him. Yeah, nobody's using four down backs anymore. I I do agree with Sirianni's um, running back um, by committee. Uh, we signed Boston Scott. I think that's why they did that. Uh, we need that depth. We've got a good amount of depth in the running back position. And you know what? Running backs have a short shelf life. I have four to six years tops. Tops. I mean, you look at Saquon Barkley, he can't stay on the field. First-round draft pick. Miles Sanders can't stay on the field. Ezekiel Elliott at Dallas, he's now the backup. He's the number two back. <laughs> Andrew Pollard's number one there. And you know what? I, is Zeke 30 yet? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, I don't no, think so. I don't so. think he is. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, you just don't have the longevity with running backs that you used to in the past. And I'm not sure why that is other than it's just a tougher game. Guys get hit harder. Um, so running back isn't our biggest need. Also how he's done a great job 
of picking up veteran running backs. Yep, once again, in the past. signing them to one-year deals. Filling that hole. Yeah, you think of Jay Ajayi. Um, Jay Ajayi was Blount, a great acquisition. Yes, Jordan LeGarrette, Howard. LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt, yeah. Jordan Howard. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Howie can can do that, work his magic with the running back. Let's, let's not waste a draft pick on running backs. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. All right, so, DB, when the draft is over, which do you prefer to be true? Eagles have a defensive-heavy draft or an offensive-heavy draft? They've got to have a defensive-heavy draft. That's where our needs are. Cornerback, safety, interior D-line, linebacker, edge rusher. We need them all. We need them all. On the offense, you know what? We could use a wide receiver. Quarterback, that's a debate for another time. Let's use Jalen Hurts this year. Let him prove if he's the guy. If not... That's why Howie bought that insurance policy. It makes a lot of sense. With two first-round draft picks next year next so he can year. move up to to get a quarterback. So, yeah, we've got a lot of defensive holes to fill. Let's focus on that. We've got one on the offense. That's wide receiver. And Howie hasn't done a terrible job of picking up wide receivers either. You know, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. We didn't need to re-sign him, but. He was a good pickup originally. Yeah. Golden Tate. Yep. You know, guys like that. Yeah. You, I think I think we'll be able to find a wide receiver if we can't get one in the draft. I think you're absolutely right. All right. How he deviates from popular fandom expectation or stays within it this draft? I oh my god, I hope he stands with the fandom expectation. In the past he's deviated from it and it did not bode well for the Eagles. No, it did not. I mean, I I remember 2 years ago when Justin Jefferson oh. and C.D. Lamb were still on the board, it yep. was like, well, we know who's getting picked here. Yeah. And then sure enough, Justin Jefferson's name does not come out. And everyone is texting their friends, who is Jalen Rager? I was about to call you and say, I can't believe Justin Jefferson's still there. He's ours. And then we hear Jalen Rager. And Minnesota is laughing in the background. <laughs> and it took them all of .1 second. To, to make the phone call and say, yeah, we're taking it did. Justin It was Jefferson. a quick pick, man. I mean, it was an immediate. Uh, yeah. Listen to the fans. It's the same thing. We run, run the ball last year. Listen to the fans. Eagles take a QB in an early round, a later round, or not at all? Not at all. Give Jalen Hurts the year. Don't deviate from that plan. Don't throw question marks in his mind. Tell him from day one to day 365 or however long the – NFL season, you're our guy. You're QB number one. This is your locker room. This is your team. Exactly. This is your year. Exactly. See what he does with it. I think that's partly what got into Wentz's head uh, when they drafted Jalen Hurts in that second round. I think it immediately kind of made questions pop up in his head of whether or not he was a franchise QB or not anymore. And it took away a little bit of a swagger that he was used to playing with. Right. And I think if the Eagles had couched it, Rather than how he come out and saying, well, we didn't want to pass up on another Russell Wilson like they did in the past. If he had just said, listen, Carson's had some injury problems. We need a, a serviceable backup, and that's why we picked up Jalen Hurts. And, oh, by the way, he can throw this dynamic in there because we don't want Carson running as much because that makes him susceptible to, to get hurt. Here's but a Jaylen guy who Hurts, can do that. Dual threat QB yeah. coming out of high school and college. That would have totally changed the whole dynamic of that conversation. Carson Wentz doesn't feel like he's threatened. Jalen Hurts knows he's a guy who can fit in in certain positions. And you go merrily on your way. Instead, it's an explosion. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So why do that to Hurts? Exactly. It turned out to be such a disaster with Wentz. Right. Now, one of the names that's being tossed around that the Eagles could potentially take is Malik Willis from Liberty University. What would you think if they do end up picking him up? I fully expect them to possibly do that. That's (laughs) Jalen Hurts 2.0. Why do you want to pick up Malik Willis when you've got Malik Willis in Jalen Hurts? He might, Jalen Hurts might not have as much as athletic ability as Malik, but they're both dual threat quarterbacks, dual threats, both a little bit undersized. Right. And you know what? Jalen's been in our system two years. Jalen's been in our system two years. 
He seems to have great rapport with the entire right, team, especially right. You're gonna the change offense. That? And on top of that, Malik Willis, you know, Liberty University was an FCS team until just recently where Jalen Hurts started playing for Alabama, played a national championship, and then led Oklahoma to the college football playoff and was in the Heisman running. So you got a guy who's used to facing off against top-tier competition, yep. whereas there may be somewhat of a, a question mark with Malik Willis's competition right Exactly, here. yeah. No no reason to bring that name in and, and muddy up the waters. Yeah, totally agreed. So when this draft is over, who should have Howie not picked but did anyway? Oh, there's so many possibilities here. But number one, we just talked about it. Do not pick a quarterback. Don't pick a QB. No, no. Why? Why? Do not. We've got Jalen Hurts. Give him the whole year to work it out. You know, if something happens to him, we've got a good... Gardner Minshew's solid. He was the Jaguar starter for a while. Yeah, solid backup. Number two, I don't want the pick that, quote, I'm the smartest guy in the room pick. That's an excellent point. That's the Jalen Rager pick. Yes, it is. Or something else. I don't want that. Everyone else thinks this is an easy pick. It's Justin Jefferson. Just do it. Yeah. Howie Roseman thinks to himself, I know better than the populace. I'm going with the unheard of name. I know better than all of you. You know what? A pick better than that. I would just take a dartboard, throw it at the SEC, and whoever that dart lands on, that's who you pick. (laughs) That's going to be a winning pick. And, you know, one of the things I fear is the Rager pick obviously hasn't worked out. He hasn't lived up to his first-round billing. Right. And I wonder how much ego is involved in Roseman coming into this draft. Is he thinking, I may have been wrong on that pick, but I'm not going to be wrong again. I'm going to do another Rager-like pick and show, kind of redeem my mistake looking at an undersized wide receiver like Calvin Austin or someone. That would be scary, but I I hear what you're saying, and I think he might have been thinking last year, look, I really screwed up the Rager pick, so I got to start picking some SEC guys, and he did, and they worked out well. So let's let's give that tract a a little little time and see where that takes us. Stay in the SEC. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what my other worst picks are. Number three, a running back. Yes. And number four... And no one would ever see this coming, which is why Howie might do it. A punter. (laughs) Obviously, I'm going a little overboard on that one, but it's not out of the realm of thinking. All right. We're going to move on to our final section here. If I were a betting man. So I found two interesting lines, DB, uh, betting lines from DraftKings here. The first one. Ooh, I love this. So what this is saying is that the Eagles to finish first is plus 50. I'm sorry, plus 350. Finish second is plus 200. Finish third is plus 250. Finish fourth is plus 340. See, now that's interesting. So the most likely spot that the Eagles are going to finish in, this line is saying, is in second at plus 200. But what I find interesting about this is the first place position and the fourth place position are virtually synonymous, 350 and 340, which means that those creating the line think it's just as likely for the Eagles to finish behind the Giants as it is for the Eagles to finish ahead of the Cowboys. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I see the numbers. I just can't believe that. I think the Eagles, I wouldn't put it at a 50-50 chance of beating out Dallas to win uh, the, the NFC East. East. But they're they're not going to finish last. I 100% If agree. they finish last, something went seriously wrong. If they finish first, something went well. Not seriously well, because I could see it happen. Dak gets hurt again. Dallas doesn't pick up the wide receiver they need. They lose a guy Amari in the Cooper. O-line. Yeah, there's a lot of things. and And Dallas doesn't have the draft picks to really make up make a big difference they really don't nor do they have the salary cap right right so i think the eagles in second is the best line to take there um but i think they got a decent chance at first and i can't imagine them finishing last yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm i'm taking the eagles in second because i think that's a winning bet 100 percent agreed all right so this next one gets maybe even a little more interesting uh DraftKings put out the over under for the games won in the NFC East. 
We got the Eagles at eight and a half, Dallas at ten and a half, seven and a half for Washington, and seven for New York. So if you could only take one of these lines, what line are you taking? You know, that's interesting because that's that's a conversation we just had. Dallas is gonna win it. Eagles at are number two. At eight and a half. Washington at number three. And New York in number four. What I'm taking is New York seven, and I'm going the under. Okay. Where are they going? Let's let's give them the benefit of doubt, and this is not going to happen. But let's say they split with the NFC East. Okay, so they take one game of all their... Right, so they're three and three with that. They've got 11 games left. They've got to win five of those to beat the, the, the number seven. Seven game line. Okay, tell me... What five teams, what five games they're winning? Green Bay? No. Jacksonville? Eh. Vikings? No. Bears? Mm. Lions? Potentially. Texans? Potentially. Colts? No. Titans? No. Ravens? No. Panthers? Nope. Seahawks? Nope. So I, I don't see five wins. I don't see four wins there. And... That's given they split with the NFC. They're Which not going to do that. Unlikely. At best, they're going to be two and four. So they've got to find six wins in that group of gains, and it's just not going to happen. That's a pretty soft line. I think I like that line. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting to see the Eagles at eight and a half because the Eagles won how many games last season? Nine. They went nine and eight. Okay, so they would have beat that line last year. Yeah. Eight and a half line. And there's really been two narratives circling about the Eagles in this offseason. One narrative is positive, one narrative is negative. The positive narrative goes, the Eagles are going to be the most improved team in the NFL because not only do you have lots of starting rookies returning for their second season, season, which is usually uh, indicative of a jump in play, but they also have a high amount of draft picks and they have a rookie coach who's coming back for his second season. Right. But the negative narrative goes like this. Eagles will be revealed as the most overrated team from last year. Last year, they beat one team with a winning record, and the weakness of the NFC East prompted them to win a bunch of very close games. Yeah. So, which narrative do you buy into, and which li- which side would you take, the over or the under, on Eagles 8.5? Well, that's, that's a great question. That's a tough question. Um, because I want to say both. And here's why. I think they they could be the most improved team, especially in the NFC East, and yet still not have a better record than they had last year because they're playing a stronger schedule. I think so you're they could be the right. most improved team, but playing a stronger schedule and the stronger schedule more than makes up for the most improved team. All right. Well, thanks so much, DB. Looking forward to the draft tomorrow night. Hey, you bet, man. It should be fun.